Hello, and welcome back to the Why You Know Doctor podcast. This is where we share stories from Asian leaders to empower and inspire the next generation. My name is Dominic, and I'm your host. So on our show, we have real uncensored conversations with founders, entrepreneurs, CEOs, and other professionals. Through these conversations, I hope to inspire listeners like you to pursue what you really want to, while also making sure that you have the right mindset or advice to actually help you succeed along the way. So anyways, without further ado, enjoy this week's episode. Today I have Nate. Do you just want to introduce a little bit about like kind of what you do? Oh, sure. Thank you for inviting me. I work at Bui Health. We are trying to bring AI into healthcare by providing you with a tool that checks up your symptoms. So instead of you Googling and reading turn articles and trying to decide if you have cancer, what our software does is it asks you questions about 20. You tell us what symptoms you have, and then it's a pretty advanced and complicated software that we've been developing for the past six years with a lot of doctors and people. It's free for everyone. So if you go to booyahot.com, you can try it on for yourself. But essentially, it will start asking you questions that I suspect could you know, put you in one camp or the other. And at the end, it gives you kind of three matches that we think is a little bit more narrowed down and hopefully more helpful. Where are you guys at as a company? I mean, are you guys already generating revenue through this or how does that even? Yeah, the vision is to have it free for people. And we'll see later on, maybe there are extra services. And we're trying to bring on all sorts of kind of integration so that, you know, right after a checkup, you can call a doctor, you can do all sorts of things. So eventually, maybe there are some premium feature that's paid, but for now, it's all free. Um, We are generating revenue, to your earlier question. Um, We work with a lot of big companies who purchase this for their employees, and then they each have their sort of additional features that we built for the company. It's been six six years, uh, got a bunch of funding, and yeah, expanding currently. So uh, any listener is a um, UX designer or an engineer, uh, we're constantly on the hunt. Gotcha. So like, what's, what's your background? Uh, I'm just curious, like, where you grew up, and how you even got into entrepreneurship, co-founding a company like this? Yeah, good question. I took the route less travel when I was, um, you know, early 20s. I grew up in an immigrant Chinese family, and my dad really wanted me to be a doctor. And I felt I wanted to do something um, that affects a lot of people. Not that doctors don't, but I mean like millions of people. And so I considered either like research or entrepreneurship. And I think the latter interested a little bit more. I had an economics degree in college and coded on the side, taught myself coding, and was working at the the college newspaper. I was managing all of the kind of the ad revenue for the newspaper to keep it running. And that's when I really um, decided that, you know, business was what I wanted to do. And then I worked for the chief marketing officer coming out of college for Sears when they were still okay. And that opened up my eyes to a lot of channels. When I was 24, just had this appetite to take as much risk as possible. I figured that, you know, I had no real obligations. And if there was a time in my life to take huge amount of risk, that was it. And if it didn't work out, I could always kind of find a job. 
Yeah, you can always go back. At that point, you're going to be hireable either way, because like even if you go off on your own, sure you build up a ton of skill sets. Did your parents care at all? Um, good question. I um, my mom was supportive, but quickly became hesitant when uh, I think six months in, it was getting tough. <laughs> she like wanted me to get a real job, quote unquote. My dad, and you know, part of the reason uh, why I decided to take huge risks is he he passed away around that time, and he was a, a very conservative guy in terms of taking risks. And I just wanted to kind of do the opposite. Mm-hmm. Why? Um, you know, a lot of times people end up not wanting to be like their parents, but they still like develop similar traits. Are there any like specific reasons why you're this opposite path? especially knowing that he's risk-averse? Yeah, that's a really uh, good question. I mean, at the time, I think it was more subconscious. I, I don't think I actively try to rebel or anything like that. But you know, looking back, you know, one of the reasons I decided to take a huge risk was because my dad, um, he grew up a doctor and then went into academia. He's a really smart guy, you know, slaved in a lab for hours, 80, 60 hours, 80 hours a week when he was like, you know, mid forties, fifties. And, and, and he truly loved what he did. And I think that part of him, I really admired and he was a really kind person. And that part of him, I admired, he thought that his research could help a lot of people if it gets somewhere. The part that I, I wanted to go away from was kind of he, um, you know, he would never take risks. Like, um, you know, even going to restaurants, he wouldn't eat things that are too audacious. Um, so he was that, that kind of guy. And um, when he passed away young, uh, relatively young, I just felt that maybe that route isn't necessarily the correct route. I started questioning that a lot. And so, yeah, decided to take risks and see what, what the other side was. Yeah, the reason I was asking is because so often I, I realized, I mean, for example, like my parents are also immigrants to the U.S. We grew up poor and like we lived really frugally. I mean, my parents kind of had to be that way to survive. I have an older brother and he just like rebelled so hard. You know, my parents are always trying to save money. Like they wouldn't turn on the air conditioning. My brother would just do the opposite to the 100% opposite direction. He just like wastes so much money. He was just trying to like rebel. I started to learn and like see habits, you know, just being aware of that like it's really easy to have your parents' habits and stuff rub off on you. Totally, totally. And I think that, at least for me, the older I grew, the more I started realizing those things and you start questioning, you become a little more self-aware. So you decided to take a risk, uh, left your solid job. How did this opportunity with Bui Health come up? So I was, um, I wanted to do something where sky was the limit. I was about to start looking for jobs in all over um, different areas. And that's when a college friend called me. He's now the CEO and co-founder. When he called me and gave me this idea, I really listened. The one thing, the macro picture, there was no version of the future where I did not think this type of technology existed. This idea that you forever type in a search bar, something as complex as symptoms, and then try to decipher for yourself, it just felt really backward in 2040. And I think people will look back and say, how come there wasn't even like some basic filtering? And so I thought it had to be 
and I just felt, you know, um, that was it. I was sold. So he helped assemble that initial team, and obviously you guys had to go through like fundraising. Was that a difficult process? Oh, great question. Um, yeah, so fundraising is always hard in the beginning, but I would say for those who are starting out, the first thing you have to focus on is actually the founding team, and don't let that kind of slip by you. Uh, we started out with four people, and thank God it was a really good fit. And we were all, we turned out to be great friends and brought to the table a skill set. But, you know, a lot of people, they start out and it's almost like anyone who is willing, uh, grab, right? And that could really lead to problems down the road. I mean, co-founder issues is the number one cause for startup failure. So make sure you have a team together. And then once you get that funding, they look at a couple of things. So for instance, are all your co-founders full-time? You know, how well do you guys work together? Does the chemistry, the mix of skill set make sense for what you're trying to do? And then it's just a matter of talking to a bunch of people and not being too brought down by rejections because my experience has been the, the first seven months, we thought we had a Rolodex of people who were like, for sure, yes. But you know, when it comes time to pull the trigger and click and send over tens and thousands of dollars, we realize oh, the, that Rolodex quickly went away. So we have to create new people. So just don't give up. You know, if you have um, a good team together, someone will bet on the team, and that's that's what early stage is. I'm wondering just if there's a so what are, what what's some like advice that you would give to uh, maybe like a young Asian kid in college that's about to graduate today? Yeah, great question. Um, a couple of things, and I'll try not to be too cliche, but I think one of the first things um, to decide for yourself is, you know, which, which one of these big buckets do you want to be in? Meaning at least have some self-awareness to know that you're either going to go the conservative route or you're going to maybe do something fancy or you know more risky if you're going through the conservative route meaning lawyer doctor or any of these engineer any of these um, very stable very high paying uh, respectful or just you know whatever job that um, you've been kind of your school gears you up for yeah just make sure to follow the tried and true route these career paths tend to be very established and it's just a matter of working on your communication skills, working on uh, the way you present an idea, the way you make an idea concise and understandable um, because those are the things that recruiters will be looking for in those fields. Um, in terms of the more risky route, I would say if you're really curious about that and feel like that could be part of your future, then start investing in yourself. And that means investing both in hard skills, but also in very soft skills. On the softer side, invest, like I said earlier, in communications, one of the biggest ones. Um, you will realize later on that there's an art to distilling an idea down to its essentials and communicating that to people in the room in a way such that they're all nodding their, their heads. And that's a very 
hard skill to master, and I don't think anyone truly masters it, but um, that's, that's something critical in startups. On the hard skill side, you know, pick, um, whether it be engineering or design, uh, UX is a good one. If you feel like the, those are not for you, but you're more on the kind of business side, picking up some stats would be helpful. Um, maybe go into consulting, but, you know, be very careful there because if you're picking, let's say, management consulting, um, that quickly could become the more conservative route. And next thing you know, you kind of, life, life is pushing you in direction and you can't really change it. And so, you know, just careful. Those are really good points. Um, I'm curious also, like, were you always like a pretty good communicator with soft skills or is there anything specifically that you did helped give you those tools and skill sets? No, I, I, um, and I mean, to this day, I, this is something I'm actively working on. I would say, um, I think, you know, no one in my family was in business. And so I had to kind of learn everything myself, but exposure to some of those environments in college was very informative because for the first time people were giving me feedback about business decisions that I was making. And you'd be shocked at how how much art there is to it in terms of communicating what's on your mind to someone else in terms of communicating in a way that everyone buys in. So I would say, yeah, that's where I would recommend just join something where it's not wishy-washy. It's not like anything you say goes. It's not, um, you know, you can wing almost every presentation. But join something where there's significant dollars on the, on the table and um, your decisions can really swing one way or the other and that will quickly help you kind of start picking up some of those skill sets. Gotcha, that makes sense. So leading into the next question, I'm just curious about maybe some, uh, well maybe just what is like the one habit that you've developed over the years that you think that you've benefited the most from? Ooh, um, well I'll, I'll say two. Number one is read, read a ton. And the reason for that is, if you think about it, there are only two ways really for someone to learn something new, more or less. You either learn it by experience or you learn it by somebody else telling you or teaching you. The latter is in some ways a shortcut to the former in that when you read books, sometimes you could learn in a book that somebody had to learn over, you know, five years in order to get that down. And they're telling you all their secrets. And so books can leapfrog you in many ways in a lot of different things. So read a ton, especially areas that you want to master and make sure that your goal is to master your craft. The second thing I would say is a little subtler, but I've found that it really matters. So this idea that when you have an idea it takes time and evolution for that idea to bring fruit or become reality. A good way to think about it is if you um, had a time machine and you brought back a piece of modernism art that is super famous now back to the Middle Ages when you know, they were still in whatever impressionism or <laughs> whatever art form they were kind of popular, they would look at that piece of track art and say that you're crazy. They would not appreciate it and they don't understand it. 
it takes nations for whatever art form they were popular to jump to a point where modernism can be appreciated. And the same thing with your ideas. And so just understand that even if you're right, learn how to think about your idea in such a way that take people um, through steps that can evolve into what you want to do. I found this over and over again, an incredible insight um, in terms of getting buy-ins and, and getting stuff done. Do you want to just give one example? I'm sure it happens all the time when you're managing people or business situations. Sure thing. I'll give you one example, right? Um, in the very beginning, uh, when we were t- thinking about growth strategies, I felt very strongly about SEO, a search engine optimization, which is this mm-hmm. field where you're trying to write articles or content that ranks really high on Google when people search for some keywords. It's a very competitive field, meaning uh, a lot of other sites that are trying to do the same and they have a ton of writers and a ton of money. Let's say you have this idea like I did, SEO is the way to go. Initially, people might be very hesitant, right? Maybe very doubtful. How are we going to compete? You know, how do we, we won't have, we don't want to be a publishing house. We don't have the writers, et cetera. So rather than kind of brute force or dictatorship style, trying to like um, basically strong arm people in doing what you want to do, what you think is right. Way to convince everybody is to figure out steps that lead to ultimately convincing people or the evolution of your idea. So, you know, step one for me was I took some time off during Christmas break to create a CMS, a content management system that allowed me to basically put up a blog. And I wrote a little blog piece. And when that blog piece hit, people had a little bit more confidence that maybe like Nate is onto something, right? Then I write 10 and try to see if I could replicate my success. And when those 10 also hit, and then all of a sudden, you know, you're getting a lot more buy-ins. And so this is probably one example of many that you will hit in startups in business where you're thinking of an idea and it just doesn't get by. The key there is just to evolve others thinking into what you're trying to do. Yeah. I think the big thing for you is also you just took the initiative to actually create like a pilot. You know, you validated your own idea and then you could get other people's buy-in. Once you can show some people some initial results, I think it helps a lot. I mean, like I have to do this all the time in client relationships. <laughs> My whole job, actually, half the struggle is getting buy-in from like people to, <laughs> to you know, go with our strategies. Yeah, totally. That's such a good point. And um, validation is one of the ways, I would say. There are many other times when you won't, you would get, even get pushback for just even trying something, especially at like a larger company where you have to move some resources around some people's you know, roles. So yeah, just a concept that I wish when I was younger that I was actively being aware of and trying to work on. I always like to ask, um, you, know, you mentioned like reading is really important. I'm wondering if you have any just like favorite books made impacts for you. Oh, sure. ton of books. Some of my favorites... Um, I recommend this book called Unscalable by Charlie Guo. It's a collection of founder stories, super eye-opening for an uh, early entrepreneur in terms of how other successful entrepreneurs 
got things running. Chut um, is a good one. Talks about you know the science behind user engagement. The hard things about hard things. That's a good one. Did you start reading those books like before you joined the company? Mostly, actually, after I I started, <laughs> uh, which in hindsight wasn't wasn't the best idea. In college, though, I did read a number of startup books. Um, that fascinated me about the world. There was one book. It was on Zappos. It was uh, by... Delivering happiness. Yep. Yeah, no, that book's awesome. Once you got going, founding the company, was it what you expected? Oh, great question. Great question. I would say it, it was a lot harder than I expected uh, in terms of the amount of stress you go through, the emotional stress. You know, entrepreneurs will all often look at each other and sort of really understand innately this stress that they're talking about, especially in early stages, that mm-hmm. is more or less you know, a little bit abstract or conceptual um, to someone who have not been in there. It was stressful. I would say um, the idea definitely was not the same as what we initially thought. And if, if you have an intuition about a product vision, don't give up just because the idea doesn't sound nice or like you know you talk to somebody and they completely shut it down Um, because chances are when you really put your head to it whatever idea you thought of now is going to be very different six months from now it's more about the team so on that aspect I think it was a lot better than I expected you know I came in only knowing one of the co-founders but it turned out we just are really good friends. We were all working on a hundred hours a week from the start, full time, and had a lot to offer individually. That part was really good. And it's really about that in day. It's about the team that figures out the problems, not the problems themselves. Mm-hmm. I was actually reading like Benny. He's the founder of a company called Next Shark. It's actually, they're like a Asian American news outlet. He was just saying how people think it's like so easy, but you know, a lot of times you go through really a lot of periods of like stress, loneliness, so many ups and downs that really take a toll. Definitely, I also think like entrepreneurship in that regard, it's not really cut out for everyone. You have to be able to manage stress levels really well in your emotion. Yeah, totally. What, what are, I'm just curious, what are some of the ways that you found helpful in terms of managing it? One thing for me, is uh, so I used to work super late, you know, and like I would have these big sales calls, make or breaks for us. The whole day I'd be so stressed, <laughs> like I'd have so much anxiety. And you know, I wasn't that good at sales, and like our company's offering wasn't even that good either. I didn't have a great portfolio, so it became extra hard. For me, I would say the number one habit that I've benefited from I go to the gym pretty consistently. I have to literally put myself in like a room where I cannot have my phone on. CrossFit is a great example. You have one hour where you literally cannot think about anything else except breathing and like <laughs> not dying because it just gives me such a hard reset in my mind. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, what about you? For me personally, um, and, and this is probably not as common or as sexy to talk about, but my friends and sort of the faith community has been really supportive in the beginning um, where they would like, you know, be really willing to hear me out, kind of just talk out loud what my stresses are and really being thoughtful about it and checking up on me. And a couple of times when, you know, I just thought 
things were going terribly wrong, they kind of came in at the right time and with the right words kind of convinced me not to seek the shelter of comfortable. Right? Mm-hmm. The less risky route, the comfort feels really attractive. You know, you could just go back there. You could just quit and um, find yourself a job that pays super well and, and like be stable. That, that gets incrementally, exponentially more attractive during those times. And I think you know, they played instrumental role in terms of talking me out of it and keep going. So, you know, for a lot of Asian Americans who are in that community, I think that's a big, big one. My co-founders, they learn instruments, write songs, they do walks, long walks. Um, I do that too, actually. Cool, dude. Well, um, we're almost at time. Any last parting words or any other things that you wanted to share? And of course, what's like the best way to get in contact with you, especially you mentioned you guys are growing, hiring, looking for maybe some, some people are really skilled in UI. Really good question. Um, so my email is nate, N-A-T-E, at buihealth.com. Yeah, reach out. Check out our site. We're, we're undergoing a revamp of the entire thing. So a lot of the pages are kind of skeletal right now. But check out the careers page. They're looking for engineers and designers, full stack, or infrastructure, or like AI. I would say parting words. Um, Chances are, if you're listening to this, you're probably either doing startup or thinking about doing startup. Um, just don't give up. I think probably if, if there were like 20 predictors for success, persistence and not giving up is probably one of the highest correlation to, to actual success. If you don't give up and you can go through the lows um, somehow, some way, there is a way out. And uh, as long as you have good support, good team structure that work well together, you know, chances are you, you will get through it. So um, just keep your head up and happy to reach out if you need any help. I'm happy to give advice to whomever. All right, man. Thanks again for taking the time. It's been really enjoyable and thank you for, for doing this. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Why You Know Doctor podcast. If you want to check out some more of our content, you can follow us on social media with uh, the handle at WYND podcast. And also, if you just have any other feedback for myself, guest suggestions, or anything else that you want to tell me, you can reach out to me directly at Dominic at whyyouknowdoctor.com. So until next time, stay tuned and thanks for listening.